Are you there? We're going to look at a few verses out of chapter 1. All right? We're going to look at, I don't know, we'll start at 5 and we'll go to like maybe 7 or 8. 1 John chapter 1, let's start at verse 5. It says, This is the message that we have heard from Him and we declare to you. God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie, and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. Uh, let's, just, let's just pray. I, I don't know. I don't normally do this, but I feel like we need to. Father, would you help us today? Father, would you help me? Um, Father, would you help me to, to, just to declare your word this morning with, with, with clarity and with, with power? Father, we ask that just there would be anointing on your eternal word this morning. God, I also ask that, that you would anoint our hearts to receive your word. God, I ask that, uh, that just the whole lot of us this morning, we'd all be good soil. Father, I ask that you would just, even now, supernaturally touch the, the hard places and the rocky places in our own lives and make us receptive to your word. Amen. Amen. Well, here's, what, here's the deal, guys. If I wanted to, I could spend the next uh, 15 minutes really easily um, talking about the fact that the world is a dark place. How many of you guys know that the world is a dark place? I mean, it, I, I could spend the next 15 minutes talking about the fact that the world is a dark place, that, you know, adultery and divorce and... Addiction to pornography and people beating one another up and violence and we we, we could just go down the list, couldn't we? I mean, there's there, uh, Africa is is constantly divided. Sex slavery is growing. We, we could do that, but in the interest of time and in, in the interest of saving my own voice, because we could I could just talk about that until I literally run out of an ability to even speak anymore. But so in in the interest of time and in the interest of saving my own voice, we'll we'll cut that short. And I think we can all just agree that. In many ways that the world isn't dark, the world is dark rather, and, and, but here's what I want to get to. The thing, uh, this morning anyway, the thing that the world needs, um, the thing that the world needs isn't more diagnosis, it needs more medicine. I, I don't know about you, but my heart cries out, give me the medicine, you know? Um, I, I am weary from the diagnosis. I don't know if you guys understand what I'm even getting at, but I'm just, I'm weary from the diagnosis. I, my heart is crying out, give me the medicine. And uh, so that's what I want to do this morning. I want to I gi- give us the medicine. I, I want to give myself the medicine. And I feel like this is one of those key passages I've been meditating on for a couple weeks. And um, it's the medicine, all right? So if, you, if you're taking notes, you just call it the medicine. We stole it from John Mark McMillan. Here it is. It's the medicine. <clears throat> Let's start at verse 5 again. Because this is the beginning of the medicine. John writes, he says, This is the message that we have heard from him and we declare to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Before we get into this one little verse, I do want to unpack something. Uh, this, uh, this epistle, this letter, is traditionally, uh, the traditional view of this letter is that it was written by John the Apostle. I hold that, I hold that view. And uh, the reason I want to talk about this for a second is because it, it adds greater importance for what's being said to me anyway. Uh, there, is, there is, in one sense, um, one sense of the word, it really doesn't matter, perhaps, who wrote it. It just really matters that the Holy Spirit preserved it, and so it's a word for us. You know what I'm saying? But in another sense, it really does matter to me, and it matters because of what's being said. 
And um, I want you to look at, uh, I want you to look at um, the beginning of, this, of, of verse 5. It says, this is the message that we have heard. Uh, just underline that little word, we, and ask yourself, who is the we in this, in this passage? Well, the we in this passage is, 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 is the 12 apostles. And then and, and look back in, in 1 John. I want you to look at the very top of the page. At verse 1, it says, That which was from the beginning, which we, who's the we? The apostles, the eyewitnesses to Jesus, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, we proclaim to you concerning the word of life. What's the point? The point is that this morning, this passage that we're unpacking, it is an apostolic admonition to the church. It's an apostolic command. It's apostolic instruction. And it comes from an eyewitness. And it's not just any eyewitness, but it's, it's one of the twelve. And it's not just one of the twelve, but it's one of the three. And it's not just one of the three, but it's the one. It's the beloved disciple. The, the Gospels uh, encapsulate for us this, uh, this in increasing uh, level of relationship and intimacy that was that existed within the apostles. Jesus chose the twelve, and then within the twelve he had the three. There was Peter, James, and John, and then within the three he had John. And John was the, the beloved disciple. He's the one who laid his head on Jesus' breast. I, you know, like That was in John chapter 13. I, I don't think that was a one-time isolated event. I think that was his normal place at the table. I think John's normal place at the table was right next to Jesus, and I think he laid his head on his breast. And I think everything we're going to read this morning came from the place of intimacy and it came from the place of encounter and it came from the place of contact with Jesus and it's instruction for our life. These are not just words that some guy wrote down because he wanted to beat the church up. These are not just words that some guy wrote down because he wanted to help the church. These are the words that he received from the word of life, the light of the world, and he received it by intimate contact and by intimate relationship. I mean, literally his eyes looked upon it and his ears heard it. His, his fingers touched it. If you can, can you imagine that? Have you ever thought about it that way? I've been really rolled this week by the fact that these are words that came from a man who shared his life, who shared three and a half years. There was this life exchange with the Son of God. The Son of God came out of heaven. He came to the earth. And there was, there was exchange of life. It was shared life. And so when John says to us this morning, when he says, this is the message that we have heard and now declare to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. He's not making it up. It's not just the Holy Spirit whispering it to him. He knows by experience that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. We can rest our lives on that word. comes by experience. What's the point? Well, the point, one of the beginning points for us is our message, those things that we declare, those things that we've been entrusted with, they have to come from contact with Jesus. They have to come from contact with Jesus. Just being a brilliant mind, just being really smart, just being a student of the Word is not enough. It, it, there, there is something beyond being a student of, of, of the Word, and there's something about being in concert with the Word. There's something about having intimate fellowship with the Word that gives unction to the spirit of our life and, gives, and puts power in the message. Can you hear me? We, like We've got to be people of encounter. You don't, you know, you know, no one wrote the scriptures who didn't encounter Jesus, you know? Um, what, what am I trying to say? What I'm trying to say is no one, no one lives the great life without encountering Jesus. Like, no one does great things without encountering Jesus. You, you, look, if you want to live a great life, if you want to, and by great life, I don't mean easy life. I just mean a life that matters, okay? Because when you get around Jesus... The trouble's built in. You don't have to go looking for it. It's built in. You will have trouble. 
So when I talk about the great life, I'm not talking about the easy one. I'm talking about the life that matters. I'm talking about the life that changes people for good. I'm talking about the life that flips the light on in the dark. If you want to, if you want to live that kind of life, it has to come from intimate contact with Jesus. There has to be those moments in your life, an ongoing fellowship with the Son of God, where He is so near to you that you just lay your head upon His breast. Who cares what you've studied for? Who ca- I, you know, I'm not trying to throw Bible study under the, under, the, under the bus. That's ridiculous. Everybody gets that? You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying that Bible study apart from Bible encounter, who cares? Give me encounter. And so John's declaration to the church this morning and to us is based upon his encounter with Jesus. And so after three and a half years of lying next to the Lord, John declares that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. <clears throat> so let's start there. What does it mean? What does it mean that God is light? Does it mean that God is coming out of those light bulbs right there? Who thinks that? Does it mean that, that there is more of God present at one in the afternoon than at midnight? Of course not. That's ridiculous, right? Obviously, John is he's, he's giving us a metaphor. He's giving us a metaphor, and what he's trying to say is this. He's saying that God is pure, and He's radiant, and His presence shows everything to be what it is. God is pure. When we say that God is light, we're saying that God is pure, and that He is radiant, And for His presence to be someplace, for His presence to be near us, is for us to encounter things as they really are. It's like this. We won't go there just yet. I want you to look at verse 6, though. Verse 6. So here's the deal. John's using a metaphor... God is, is pure, He's radiant, and His presence shows us the way, things that, the way things actually are. And then verse 6, he says, If we claim to have fellowship with Him, and yet walk in the darkness, I want you to underline that word darkness. So if we claim to have fellowship with Him, intimate contact, an exchange of life, if we claim to, have sh- to share life with Jesus, if we claim that we're Christians, and yet we walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not live by the truth, I want you to underline that word, word truth. How many of us notice in verse 6 that John has changed the metaphor? Anybody notice that? Okay, verse 5. This is the message. God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. Look at verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with Him, and yet walk in the darkness, maintaining the metaphor, we lie and we do not live by the truth, there's been a change of metaphors. Everybody got that? What would, would in, in, in just a normal and logical progression, rather than truth... What would, make, what would make more sense in, in terms of the metaphor that John has already started? We lie and we do not live by the what? Light, obviously. So what, what's the point? The point is this, that the light of God, the light of God is the truth of God, okay? So God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. He is pure, He is radiant. To be in His presence is to see things as though they are and to see things as though they are is the truth. There is no truth apart from inviting God into a situation. There is no truth apart from God being near and, and allowing His presence to, to, 
to illuminate that situation, to illuminate that revelation, to illuminate that room, to illuminate that person. There is no truth apart from that. So he is truth, and in him there is no darkness at all. Um, I want you to underline that little, that little phrase, and in him there is no darkness at all, because this is, this is a really big insight into the character and into the nature of God. Okay? Here's one of the things. One of the things that culture is trying to tell us is that God is, well, you know, this is where culture is at with God. God is like, well, especially with Jesus. Jesus, he's a pretty good guy, and God, yeah, he's mostly good, and, but sometimes he's bad, right? No, this is, this, is, this is insight into who God is and to his nature. God is light. He is radiant, pure, illuminating, truth, light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Here's, here's what uh, John is trying to get across to us. He's trying to get across to us that in God there is no small print. Okay? In God there is no small print. How many of you guys have ever bought a car before? All right. I'll tell you about one of my encounters with buying a car. So uh, one time I went to buy a car and uh, finally negotiated with the price with the, with the salesman. And after I negotiated the price with the salesman, he brings me like the you know, little contract thing in. And I start to read over the contract. And, and then so I'm looking and I'm like, something here is weird. And I look down at the bottom of the, you know, where they total it up. And suddenly the final purchase price of this car is $1,500 more than we just agreed on. So I'm like, dude, what is up? So I pointed out, I'm like, this is, you're trying to catch me in the small print, aren't you? And he goes, oh, well, I'm sorry, Mr. Russell. I just, it was an oversight. Let me go back and take care of that. I'm like, cool. I gave him the benefit of the doubt. He comes back in, and I'm looking at, the, I'm looking at it, and down the total, now the total's exactly what we had agreed upon, but then I look in this other column, and my trade-in value just went down by $1,500. And I, there's a little box down here that says I need to write them a check for $1,500. I'm like, what, what is going on here? And I said, dude, this is not what we agreed upon. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's like, what we... Look, man, and he finally said, said to me, he's like, look, man, we're just, you know, let me go talk to my sales manager. Because he knew, he, he knew he'd been caught, Okay. He goes back to the sales manager, and finally my trade-in value is what we had agreed upon, and the final purchase price is what we had agreed upon, but my interest rate just went up by 2.5%. I said, this is ridiculous. What are you trying to do to me? You know? And he's like, oh, well, you know. finally I was like, enough, I'm done. I'm walking out of here. He's like, no, don't leave. What's the point? Like, sometimes things aren't exactly what we see, you know? but that's not the way it is with God. We don't, we don't negotiate a price with God only to find out that He has taken our trade-in value and docked it by $1,500 in the small print. God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. It, it doesn't mean that God is mostly light or mostly good. He is light. How many of you guys have ever bought a cell phone? There's no, the, the only thing worse than buying a car is buying a cell phone, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like you got, your $50, you got your $50 a month deal, and then you get your first bill, and it's what? It's $100. You're like, $100? And you look at the, you look at the bill, and it's like the, you know, your base package, $50. And then there's 15 lines of FCC charges that, like, Jesus doesn't even know what those are. <laughs> I asked him. He told me, I have no idea what those are, Adam. 
I asked him, I'm like, Lord, what is, what is this FCC charge for 385? He just told me I have no idea. Some of you are offended right now. I'm just joking. See, here's the deal. God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. And what that means is, it means that the light of His presence shines upon the landscape of our life, and when the light of His presence shines upon the landscape of our life, everything gets seen, and everything, everything is laid out exactly for what it is. When we invite His presence into our life, we invite illumination into our life, and it's the kind of illumination that just, it just it's like the noonday sun. It's like the noonday sun in Rochville, and everything, it's clearly seen. It's clearly seen. In fact, when we invite the presence of God into our life, and when we, when we begin to say, God, I want to walk in the light. God, I want, I want your illumination into my life. He begins to turn, on, he begins to turn the noonday sun on the, on the landscape of our life. And, and the only thing that can happen, if we want to maintain a dark corner, the, at that point we have to begin to build structures on the landscape to hide little hidden parts that we would like to not be exposed to the light. We have, to, we have to build structures. We have to spend mind energy, heart energy, emotional energy into building structures that keep His illumination from us because it's, the light of God is like the noonday sun. Who can hide from it? So light shows things as they are. Not only that, but light enables us to live and to move freely without hurting ourselves and hurting others. Light shows things as they are, and it allows us to move and to live without hurting ourselves or hurting someone else. How many of you guys watched the the Dallas Cowboys and um, Giants game last week? I mean, the Cowboys are awful. They're just terrible, okay? It's like watching a train wreck slowly. I mean, there's really no interest other than I just can't help it, you know? It's like you know you should turn away, but you just can't. And anyway, they're they're playing the Giants last week. And right in the middle of the game, right in the third quarter, the entire stadium goes black. Can you imagine? I, Heather and I, we were on the couch talking about this. How scary would it be to be in a stadium full of 80,000 people and it go pitch black? All the stadium lighting went out. And it stayed out for 15 minutes, okay? Imagine that. Ooh, somebody got fired on Monday. Okay? But, but the first thing that the referees did when the lights started going out, is they called the game. Why did they call the game? Why did they delay the game? Because it would be even more dangerous to play football in the dark. You ask yourself, how can you make football more dangerous? Play it in the dark. (laughs) How could football become more dangerous? You know, helmet-to-helmet contact, no big deal. Play it in the dark, then let's find out who's a man, right? This has nothing to do with the message. But I just thought of it. I'm with Mike Ditka. If they want to clean football up, let's take the face masks off. You know? We'll, some, we'll find out who the real men are. A couple guys pop themselves in the head real good. Mm. Yeah, but they call the game because it's unsafe to play in the dark. And so here's the deal. Church, we've got to embrace the light of God in our lives. And the only safe path, the only safe path is the lighted path. It's the only safe path. There are no others. All others are wolves in sheep's clothing. They're waterless oasis, and they're mirages in the desert. So let's look at verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with Him, but walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live by the truth. Here's the deal. Fellowship means 
Simply put, it means if we share life. I, I, I like, the word fellowship is so oh, tattered and worn. It's like, how can you make something awesome, awful? Just use the word fellowship, you know. So we're going to have a fellowship at my house. It's like, dude, I don't want to go anymore. <laughs> I mean, it could be incredible. I mean, we could, have, we, could have every, we could have every living president at my house. If we call it fellowship, no one will come, you know. It's like, boring. Oh, kill me now. Yeah, but I, I, like, I, like the, I like the concept of sharing life. There's an exchange of life. Um, it's about not living life alone. It's, it's, about, it's about the fact that your life affects mine and my life affects yours. We know that there's, there's a mutual effect, and, and we, we don't just acknowledge it, but we embrace it. You know? Your life is affecting mine. Mine is affecting yours. I, I, don't just, I don't just acknowledge it, but I embrace it. I, I know that it's, it's good and right. That's what it means to have fellowship. So it says... It's the, and it's the essence of Christianity. The essence of Christianity is the laid down life. I laid my life down for the one who's already laid his life down for me. It's, it's this kind of fellowship, this kind of exchange of life is really the essence, the essence of, the, of the Christian life. And that's why it's such a big deal. That's why it's such a big deal that, that, it, that if we say that we have fellowship with Christ, if we say that there's a life exchange, but we walk in darkness. See, and I want you to underline that word walk because the thing that John isn't talking about, John isn't talking about the occasional misstep when you fall on your face and you just, you know, I, look, that's going to happen, okay? But John, when he uses the word walk, he's talking about, he's talking about when, when, you've, when you've actually chosen, either consciously or subconsciously, when you've actually chosen a different path and you've taken on a new lifestyle and, and your life has taken on a new rhythm. There's a, there's, a, there's a rhythm of light and there's a rhythm of darkness. And he's saying, hey guys, the real danger is when we say that we have fellowship with, with Christ, when we say that we have life exchange, his life has an effect on mine and mine has an effect on his, if you can even imagine that. When we, when we say that that's the, the relationship we have, we have with Christ, but if, we, but if we've taken on a, a life rhythm of darkness and embracing darkness, that is deep trouble. And, it's the path, and that kind of path is absolutely incongruent, ultimately, with sharing life with Jesus. There is nothing about the dark path that is congruent with sharing life with Jesus. I know I may be getting a little heavy. We're going to get heavy, and then we're going to get a lot lighter, okay? Everybody okay? So there's nothing about the dark path. See, here's the deal. Here's the problem. When we begin to walk in darkness, yet say that we are in fellowship, we have... Um, and when we say that we have communion with God, we are essentially living a lie. And when we live that kind of lie, what we end up doing is we end up throwing open wide the door to deception in our life. It's like bad to worse. Like how do things go bad to worse? It goes bad to worse like when we begin to just walk on this, this, darkened, this darkened pathway. So what is, so what is walking in darkness? You probably don't even have to turn the page. This is, this is one of the definitions to walking in darkness. Look at chapter 2, verse 9. John says this. He says, Anyone who claims to be in the light, but he hates his brother, is still where? In the darkness. See, is this the only evidence? No, it's not the only evidence, but it's one of the ultimate litmus tests. See, here's the deal. When our chosen life begins to erode our relationships, and it's not just erode any kind of relationships, but chapter 2, verse 9 John uses the word what? Brother. It's our close relationships. When our chosen path begins to erode our, ch- our close relationships, when, when we begin to lose ta- contact with our brothers and our sisters, 
it's good. There's a, that's like a barometer. It's like, oh, it's the litmus test. So what's the point? The point is this. You can actually know, you can actually know just on the basis of relationships whether or not your life is increasing in light or whether it's increasing in darkness. All you have to do is ask yourself this question. It's very simple. Am I coming into contact with more people at a deeper level or less people at a more surface level? Light and darkness, it's just, it's right there. How many of you, uh, how many of you can remember graduating from high school? Wow. <sighs> I was totally flipped out. I was thinking about this, this like two mornings ago. I've been out of high school for 14 years. And two of my very best friends from high school, I don't know them anymore. You know why I don't know them anymore? Because we haven't hung out. Two of my very best friends. We were super, super close. Um, one of, and one of the two I've only seen once in the last 14 years. How much life exchange has gone on there? Zero, right? This is why it's a barometer for us when it comes to living in light and living in God's illumination. The people that we're close to, especially, especially people who are fellow believers, the people that we've shared our heart with and that we live our life with, when we, lo- when we walk along the path of light with, with the Lord, we increase in deep relationships that lead to encouragement and, and a, a greater ability to live in light, okay? Walking, on, uh, walking in darkness, it just constricts the circle, and pretty soon, we're totally alone. Like, even, even if we did nothing offensive to the brother, I mean, this, is really a, this is really important, okay? Even if we haven't specifically, even if Haas has not even specifically offended me, he and I can lose fellowship if I decide to just take some wild torrent, Okay? It wasn't about him. It was, it, was that I, it was that my life got on a path of darkness. And the next thing you know, our lives are headed in such radically different directions. We just don't, we don't see. We don't have contact. We don't, we don't fellowship, uh, share life. <laughs> and the next thing you know, the next thing you know, Haas and I are, we don't even know each other anymore. Darkness. Light illuminates it increases our circle and it increases the depth at which our relationships happen. Darkness constricts our circle and it makes things shallow. Let's look at verse 7 because this is the money verse. <clears throat> but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. Look, if you're going to memorize a verse, that's like a good one. Like that's one you could, you could write on the bathroom mirror thing. So here's the deal. We're gonna, I want to spend the rest of the morning just talking about how to walk in light. Here's the deal. I, I see three main benefits from, from verse 7 that come from, that come from walking in the light. Number one, we have fellowship with God. Walking in the light brings us increased fellowship with God. And we know that just by the context of the verse. Look at verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with Him, who's the Him? If we claim to have fellowship with Him, God, but we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not live by the truth, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Who's the one another? God. Context in verse 6 tells us this. Can you see that? We have increased... Walking in the light brings me increased fellowship with the Lord. Like, how can I... How can I you want to live a life where we have increased fellowship with God and increased ongoing 
shared relationship of depth and intimacy, walk in the light. But the other thing I see in this is that we have increased fellowship with one another. So if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Who's the one another? I think it's the people who are sitting around the room. Look at verse 3 in chapter 1. John says this. He says, We proclaim to you what we have seen and what we have heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us. What's the point? The point is that the, the message that John has, has proclaimed, the message of Jesus, the message of the kingdom, it is a communal experience. So the fellowship here is with God and it's with one another. I think, I think both readings are great on that. See, here's the deal. Walking in light is a communal lifestyle. No one walks in the light alone. We have shared life in the light, intimacy with Jesus and intimacy with other believers. And then here's the third benefit I see. The third benefit is that we live a, purif- we live a purified and cleansed life. Who in here would like to have a purified and cleansed life? Yeah. If you've ever been dirty, you know what it means, and you'd like to have a purified and cleansed life. So I want to spend the next few minutes talking about what does it mean to walk in the light and how do we walk in the light. Because these are, these are the benefits. Fellowship with God, fellowship with one another, and a purified life. Um, the number one thing to me that it means to walk in the light is to, is to walk the transparent life. It's transparency. See, here's the deal. When we, when we walk in the light, we embrace the light of God, and it, it causes, us, causes us to be transparent with our life and it causes us at a heart level to say, I will withhold no corner of my being from the presence of Jesus. That's what it means to walk in the light. It's transparency. It says, I will, I will, with, I will withhold no corner of my heart from the light of Jesus. I will build no room within the, within the home of my heart that the light of Jesus is not welcome in. I will build no structure on the landscape of my life that the noonday sun cannot penetrate. That's what transparency means. And when we invite the light of Jesus into our life, here's what we're inviting the light of Jesus into. We're inviting Him into our actions. We're inviting Him into our thoughts, our hopes, our dreams, our relationships, our desires, our will, my open confessions, and my deepest secrets. They're just laid bare before the Lord. It's transparency before God. Just saying, God, you know me from the inside out. We're, we're, we become like David. We, we, we withhold not even the darkest corners from the Lord. Okay? You want to walk in the light? We have to be those kind of people who are, who, are just so, who are just so open to the Lord. Here's the deal. He already knows anyway. Right? Like, who are we kidding? Everyone in here is going to die. It's terminal. You know? Eventually. We're all going to meet him. And he already knows anyway. So let's just cut to the chase and let's have a heart that says, God, you know me from the inside out and I will withhold no corner of my, of my life from you. Transparency. But it isn't just transparency with the Lord. It means that I embrace transparency before other believers. Look at verse 9. Verse 9, he says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. See, we share life with God and we share life with one another and that's all of our life. 
our pain, our failures, our secrets, our struggles, our temptations, as well as our victories and triumphs. And transparency is an ongoing lifestyle. It's not a one-time event. And, it, and transparency is, is, is something that c- it connects us to God, but it's also about the way we live before one another. It's a really big deal. We've got to live transparent lives before one another. See, intimacy comes from shared experience, and it comes from shared trust. Right? Intimacy comes from shared experience, and it comes from shared trust. My very best friends are the ones who know my deepest, darkest secrets. They're also the ones who know my... They, they, they know the inconsistencies in my life. Those are my deepest friends. Furthermore, in the same way, I can't, I can't fool God because God knows my inconsistencies, and neither can I fool my friends. There's something about transparency. You don't have a friendship unless there's transparency. That's just all there is to it. Without transparency, one person is using the other. And so one of the things we need, church, is we need, we need to embrace transparency before the Lord. We need a heart of transparency. And we need to embrace confession to one another. And this needs to happen early and often because without transparency and without relationships where my true heart is known, it is impossible to build stru- it is possible to build structures of darkness. When I, don't have re- when I don't have a relationship with the Lord that says, God, you have my whole heart. You can look upon any corner. God, I welcome your opinion about every part of my life. When we don't have a heart like that and when we don't have a heart that says, brother and sister, you can know the inconsistencies of my life. What we do is we give ourselves permission to build dividers within our own heart and to live a secret and a double life that will end up in the collapse of that house. And it will be a great collapse. Because here's what happens. We will end, this is what happens oftentimes. This is why confession needs to happen early and it needs to happen often. Because if it isn't early and it isn't often, then we put our heart's energies, we put our emotional energies, and we put our strength, the strength of what it means to be a person and not just an animal, we put that strength into building little rooms in our house. And they're carefully constructed. And, and they, are, they are carefully constructed for keeping others out and for keeping the light of God out. And when we do that, we, we eventually, if, it, if confession doesn't come often and if it doesn't come early, we build such a great structure and we've put so much of our time and our energy and our emotional oomph into this structure that keeps out the light and keeps out relationship that eventually it feels like the guilt and the shame to let other people and to let God into that moment is just too great. I've invested too much of my life in this secret room. Now I've got a secret room that I can't talk to anyone about. And now I've got a secret room that I can't tell God about because I've invested my life in it. And eventually, because the kind of things that it takes to build a secret room are not eternal, that room will collapse and it will bring the heart down with it. I hope you can hear me. It's a really big deal. We, we just invest in the secret room. We invest in the secret room. And when it comes crashing down, everyone's really surprised. Oh my God, I didn't know that there was a secret room here. And no one's more surprised than our own self. And the damage ends up being great. I mean, I, I've just... I've seen this in my own life. I see it in people around me. Like, here's the deal. I just want to be really honest. This is like... 
this isn't performance time. This is like honesty time. You know, look, if there's something in your life that you're afraid for the light of God to, to touch, and it is like, like you don't even want to go till tomorrow. Like, take it from me. Just, just trust me on this one. Like, whatever, whatever hornet nest you think you might be stirring up by living transparent before the Lord and before your community of believers, it is nothing. And the longer that you live a lie, it actually keeps healing from coming. You know why it keeps healing from coming? Because healing can't come until there's reality. And light brings reality. Shows things to be what they really are. And until we're honest with ourselves about what things really are, there can be no healing. Like whatever the hornet's nest is, you, you, you just, you want to, that secret room, I'm telling you, you don't even want to wait till tomorrow. The secret room isn't helping anyone. Least of all you. So number one, if we're going to walk in the light, we, we've got to embrace a lifestyle of transparency. What does that look like? It, it looks like this. Maybe, maybe, I mean, maybe you're just, maybe you're just a total rageaholic and the only person who knows is like your husband. Like you're, you're it, it's so incongruent. You're, you're a woman rageaholic. Who, who, who even knew that existed, right? Except you are. You're like a burning in fire, inferno of rage. Oh my goodness. It's time to be transparent. It's time, it, it's time to let the cat out of the bag. It's time to open the secret room. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe your thought life is just really toxic and it's slowly built up over time. And you got this little, you got this little secret room and you live in fantasy land. And it's just one, it's just one sexual fantasy after another. You you know the only thing better than sexual fantasy? The real thing. You know, you build this, you build the secret room of sexual fantasy for long enough, long, uh, for a good enough time. Eventually the secret room falls down and the only thing better than sexual fantasy is the real thing. Man, we've got to open up the door. We've got to open up the door to our secret rooms. We've got to invite the light. Transparency. So transparency, number one. But then number two, it's loving God's ways, which means living by the truth. See, walking in the light means loving God's ways. <clears throat> and we've got to get this right, because everybody in the room knows that loving God is the right answer. You know, what are you supposed to do? Love God. We know that. We're just... It's, it's just so generic almost. It's like, what are you supposed to do? We're good, we're good Christians. We love God, you know? And when we fail, we try harder to love God. Here's the question this morning. We all know we're supposed to love God, but, but how many of us love His ways? Like the way that He does things. Like His processes in life. His paths. His directions, his instruction. Here's the issue: the issue is that that that, that just as a, just as a, a church, not just this church, but the Big C Church in America, we have we have in some ways tried to play mental mind games where we divide loving God from loving His ways. That's an impossible thing. You cannot divide loving God from loving His ways. When you try, when you try to divide loving God from loving His ways, it sounds like this. It goes like this. God, you know, I love your forgiveness. I love the way you hear all my prayers. I love the way you heal my body. I just hate your ways. I hate your paths. And I hate your instruction. Get out of my life. How many, think, how many in here think, are foolish enough to think that would work very long? No. To love God means to love his ways. But we need to, 
We need to, to consciously absorb that in our heart. This is the question I've been asking myself concerning loving the ways of the Lord. Is how can a person host the light of the world in their heart yet maintain some darkness? You know? How's that even possible? It's possible when when we when we when we deceive ourselves into thinking that we can love God apart from loving his ways. How about this one? How can how can we trust him with the af- afterlife and not trust him with his present life? Mm, dude, heavy, huh? Heavy. What's the point of that question? The point of that question, it, it really gets down to not just do I love God, but do I love His ways? How can I trust Him with the afterlife and not trust Him with the present life? How can we trust His forgiveness without trusting His instruction? How about that one? See, loving God's ways means acknowledging that living in the noonday sun is better than living in the darkness. That's what it really means. Loving His ways means, gosh, living in the noonday sun, it's better than the darkness. It's not just better for me, but it's better for those around me. I want to show you one more scripture. It's Psalm 119. Verse twenty nine and uh, verse one twenty nine and one thirty. This is this is this is what David wrote. He says to God, "God, your statutes are wonderful; therefore, I obey them. The unfolding of your words gives light, Ooh. and it gives understanding to the simple." This is about this is about more than just loving God. It's about loving His ways, being uh, having a heart attitude that says, "God, your statutes." That's just another word. That's a that's a old old school word for your ways. Your ways are wonderful. Therefore, I obey them. Why do I obey them? Not just because they're wonderful. What, is that, what does that mean in, in the life of the believer? To have a heart that says, your ways are wonderful, and therefore I obey them, it really just means your ways are the best thing for me. They're looking out for me. That's what it means at a heart level. And all of this brings cleansing. See, transparency and loving God's ways brings cleansing into our life. One of the ways that purification and cleansing comes is by the clarity that comes when we are standing in the light. See, darkness doesn't allow us to see things as they are. Light allows us to see things as they are. And in the darkness, I can hide like Adam and Eve. Like Adam and Eve sinned, and what was the first thing they wanted to do? They went and hide in the bushes, which is insane. I, I love that moment. I mean, I, they had spent, I don't know, who knows how long they had spent with God. But surely they had spent long enough time with God to realize that hiding in the bushes isn't a great game plan for the omnipotent creator of the universe. But what did they do anyway? Yeah, they made a, they made a fig leaf bikini and they jumped in the bushes. <laughs> That's what they did. It's ridiculous. What does that mean? It means that there's something in human nature that wants to hide. We want to hide. We just, you know, like, like we get into something, if our thoughts are weird, we just, we want to hide them. We want to stuff them, we want to bucket them up, we want to put them in the secret room, we want to lock it. And, and we've convinced ourselves that we're the only person who knows about the secret room, except God knows the secret room. He knows your combination. He knew your combination before you made the combination. Here's the deal. It's heaven's nature to, re- to reveal. It's, it's human nature to hide, but it's heaven's nature to reveal. Now, I, w- I want to I say this really carefully. It isn't heaven's nature to get joy out of people who are in pain. 
Okay? So when the light of the kingdom comes into a room and it exposes us all as broken people, no one in heaven is clapping and going, this is entertaining, look at these idiots. Fools. No, no, one, no one in heaven is getting, is getting a kick out of the fact that you're a broken person. But it's, it's his nature to reveal because he knows that the, reveal, the revelation and the illumination that comes from his light is the thing that will bring salvation to us. This is, this, is what, this is what it said about Jesus in the Gospels. It says, a broken reed, he won't snap it off. And a smoldering wick, he won't put it out. I love, I love that, that image of who the Lord is. That means that you can, that means that, that like the fire of your life can be almost to the point that it's going to go out. You can just be a smoldering, like one ember on the end of a stick. Uh, like that's the point that you can be to. And the Lord Jesus gets no pleasure from coming over and snuffing you out. That is not who the Lord is. Contrary to popular belief, most, most of us think that he's the guy who comes over and snuffs us out and then laughs. No, that's not who he is. This is who the Lord is. He comes to us at the moment when, when we are one ember on the end of a stick and he puts his hand behind us and he, and he gets back at appropriate distance and he goes, that's who the Lord is. You can be a reed that is broken in the wind and is just hanging. And, and God's not the kind of God who would walk by and in, in the thoughtless moment just snap you off and throw you in the pond. That is, that is absolutely not who He is. In fact, transparency before Him, honesty before Him, opening up the secret room, it allows in the light that brings cleansing and purification. So here's the deal. When we first came to Jesus, we were all children of the dark. We were born into the darkness, and we were born with a motivation to only serve ourselves. But when the seeds of faith were sown on our heart and they began to sprout up, light came into our life. And when light came into our life, we were reborn into a new kingdom, all right? Do you guys remember, like, what it was like when you first met the Lord? Like, you guys remember that? I mean, some of you guys remember the day. I, like, I really don't remember the day. I just remember, like, like, when does the sun come up? Some of you have had this experience, too. I don't know. Like, I've sat out in the deer woods before, and, you know, it's pitch black, and then it's just suddenly bright around. Anybody ever have that experience? And then you look on your iPhone, and you go, sunrise is at 6.57. I'm like, I was here at 6.57, and I'm pretty sure that the sun didn't just explode under the scene. Yeah, my, 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 my coming into the kingdom was this sort of like gradual process, like, like the sunrise. Jesus says being born from above, you know. It was this, this process of conception, birth, and out she comes. But, but how many of you realize, how many of you can remember those days when you, first, when you just first met the Lord? You remember that? You, but not just remember it in your head, but can you remember the feeling in your heart? Okay. The thought in your head is inconsequential. The feeling in your heart is a much bigger deal. Here's what I'm trying to get to. How many of you remember that light as a feather feeling you had when you first met the Lord? Yeah. You know why you, you, know why you were light as a feather? You were light as a feather because the acceptance of God had just come into your life. And then the acceptance of God had come into your life because you had opened up the doors to all the secret rooms. Like you were a sinner and you didn't even care. You were just like, okay. I'm a sinner, um, and I do all these bad things. 
And you didn't, you didn't care that God knew, and you didn't care that anyone else knew, right? It's called the path of life, the path of light. Secret doors got opened up. John Wimber used to say that the way in is the way on. And what he meant by that is this, is that the, way, the things that you did when you first met Jesus, the, the, the paths that you walked when you first met the Lord, those are the very same things and the very same paths that will keep you on the path of life and will keep you in an experience with Jesus that feels the same as it did back then. Does that make sense? Yeah, the way in is the way on. Transparency, loving his ways, it, it just opens the secret rooms, illumination comes in, and I get cleansing. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I take a shower every day. In fact, most days I take two showers. Like, I can't even wake up without a shower, Okay. So it's really not about being clean or not. It's just about, like, I can't wake up. So I take a shower every morning, and then a lot of times at night, you know, I just feel nasty, and I go ahead and take another shower. Sometimes I take a shower just because I'm cold. Like, if I'm just really cold, I'm like, ah, forget this. I'm not putting a blanket on. I'm just, I'm getting in the shower. And I take it all the way to hot, and I just burn myself. I, I, I love it. I'm downright neurotic about showers. Anybody else in here take a shower every day? Anybody else in here neurotic about being clean? Yeah. Yeah. Cleansing. Like we're, we're neurotic about our outer body. We need to be neurotic about our inner body, our inner life. The inner life, you know. Um, see, walking in the light means walking in fellowship. It means sharing life. It means walking in transparency. And that kind of life is purifying. It's like, it's like taking a shower. And then I can hear some people in the room, you're thinking, well, didn't the blood of Jesus cleanse us from all unrighteousness once and forever? Yeah, but you need a shower. What's with the yeah but? Here's what's with the yeah but. In John chapter 13, Jesus is, is at the Last Supper with his disciples and he washes their feet, right? Why did he wash their feet? Because they were dirty. There is an ongoing, clean, there's an ongoing cleansing that comes with walking with Jesus. And he's the guy on the ground washing your feet. Come on. There's something about transparency that, that, that allows the Lord that access to our heart, and that access to who we are. Peter says to the Lord, hey, don't just wash my feet, wash my whole body. Jesus says, you don't understand, you've already been washed, I'm just washing your feet, because that's what's dirty. Life has a way of getting on people. You have a way of getting on you. We need the cleansing that comes from walking in light. Amen? Amen. Hey, if you're on the ministry team this morning, I want you to come on up. Mm-hmm. Andrea, you can go first.